Um, on the line we have um, Mr. Dan Cleveland from uh, the Dark Horse Band out in uh, Minnesota. Hey, Dan. Hi. Hey, man. Um, so, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I uh, somehow or another I... Um, I happened upon a recommendation to Driver 23, so I got it and watched it and loved it. Um, you know, I watched both the Mothman Prophecies and Driver 23. Or not the Mothman Prophecies, man. I'm sorry. I just love the Mothman <laughs> Prophecies, dude. I am the Mothman. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. Um, That's right. Um, so. Uh, then I then I got the the album, and uh, I listened to it a bunch of times, and uh, I love it, man. It's uh, I mean I think I I love it more because I watched the doc before, right? So yeah. I um you know I got to uh, know you and the band and the story, but uh, the the uh, album is phenomenal. So kudos to you. Thanks. Lots of Thanks. work, man. You you actually saying that about the Mothman thing? That reminds me of when Rolf was trying to get a distributor for the films to put it on DVD, and he was sending it around to companies across the country, and he got one one rejection letter that said, uh, "We agree that Don Cleveland is a very memorable character." Don, but we're, we're not interested. It's like, <laughs> wait, I'm memorable, but you can't remember yeah, my name. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Um, let me ask you. Uh, let me ask you some questions about uh, about uh, you know just the whole creative process, I guess. Um, it's going to get serious. Uh, what what was uh, what's your what's your philosophy? Okay, when you recorded Guts Before Glory, like, um, what what did what did you have in mind, like? Uh, well, I, I guess I would start just by saying that, like they they always tell you, uh, writing songs or writing books, uh, write write about what you know, and uh, so I just take experiences from my life that motivate me. Usually, make me really angry or frustrated, which is kind of a, one of the more common motivations for metal songs. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, there's other ones too, of course. But yeah. For me, that's a lot of it. Uh, for example, the first song, "Who Watches the Watchmen." That one's about government corruption, but it actually mm -hmm. started with a ticket I got parked by the IDS <laughs> at a sign that said, no standing. Well, I, I'm from Iowa. That doesn't say no parking. That means I can park there. Yeah. So I parked there, and I ended up going to, the, to in front of a judge and with my dictionary to show him that there was absolutely no definition of the dictionary yeah, yeah. that described standing in the way they meant it. You yeah, know what? Yeah, yeah. He suspended my sentence, and the signs changed in a month. But... That's that cool. stupid little incident got me thinking about government corruption. Now you've yeah. expanded it into that song. I, I yeah, put yeah. my frustration into it. That's cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so let me let me um, let me see if I can better phrase. Because, like, when I listen to okay, when when you listen to a typical album, you kind of you kind of like well, if you if you're in the know, I guess like when you listen to an album you kind of feel like you're not really listening to like a band like you know just like like jamming or something you know like you know what i'm saying like when a band like jams it's something that comes right off the cuff right 
but yeah. but yeah, and also some bands are much better at sounding spontaneous in the studio than others. Some some are great live. Like Peter Frampton was great live, but his studio albums, I thought he sounded very stealthy. You know. Right. Exactly. And so to me, you kind of sound like a hybrid. You kind of sound like a band that you know wasn't going for perfection essentially but your music is really well written well, so thank you. you could have yeah. you you could have um you could have got well that's very hypothetical because um um you know going into a studio is kind of a laborious task and that's why a lot of times you know you have artists that you know are great live as you mentioned but sound, you know, nothing like that when they come out with an album. Right. And, um, it's a really different experience recording as opposed to live playing. Exactly, exactly. Um, is, that, is that what you were going for, or is that just what happened? Okay, uh, you kind of you hit on it. Uh, first of all, I am a perfectionist, but I'm a perfectionist in a different way. Um, I didn't want the album to sound like Boston, even though I like old Boston. I grew up with that. Mm. That is so polished and perfect that, you know, it's like, nah, leave a little human edge in there. Right. And and I intentionally left some imperfection in the album for that very reason. Exactly. I wanted just a little bit of a, of a live feel to it. I didn't want to sound stilted, in other words. Right, right. Even though, even though it was in the studio. At the same time, I am a perfectionist, and over the years I've listened to it over and over again, Every single tiny little mistake anyone made, including myself, yeah. in the whole entire entire album. So, I try to find a balance between the two. Okay, yeah. I mean, to me, to me, okay. When you when you were um, mixing down, um, was it basically your call? Like, were you the one that said, "Okay, this is good enough"? No, no, it was totally a team effort. Uh, some people walk away from that film thinking I'm... Well, one guy in Minneapolis here actually uh, in City Pages called me a fascist, which is about as far from the truth as you could possibly get. Wow. But I think what he was getting at was he thought I was just another egomaniac that was bossing everyone around because he saw the ramp scenes where I get oh, upset I, when I, they weren't cooperating. I didn't think well, you were bossing anybody around. It well, seem like it, to me. It, that's how I come across to some people. There's people hmm. in Minneapolis and St. Paul that hate me and think I'm an egomaniac. Hmm. And I'm not. Uh, you yeah. know, I have my problems, but I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what was your question again? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, you answered it. You answered it. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, because I tend to ramble sometimes. No, no, no. Topic, you got so. it. You got it. Um, okay, so then now you mentioned uh, Boston. What are some of the bands you were listening to at the time? Oh, man. At the time that we made the album, I was more into Queens like Metallica. Uh, and then I still listen to some of the older stuff like Rush and some other bands. But that's that's one of Rush's only faults too. Is they're a little bit too sterile, a little too perfect sometimes. Yeah. Um, so you've you've seen um, Rush in concert and you loved it. Oh yeah, they're they're absolutely awesome in concert. They're they're the type that don't make mistakes. I do make mistakes, and that's yeah. part of what I do. Uh, I'm not as raw as say, uh, you know, the Stones were early on or Aerosmith was at first. They're, they're part of that. Part of the whole style was being sloppy. Right. I was intentionally sloppy, not be sloppy, but I can't help it occasionally. Yeah, know? right. Um, okay, um, let me ask you. Um, uh, okay, so you're pretty. You're like okay. You know what? Screw that. What? Okay, why? Okay, what? What? What draws you to certain bands? Uh, well, 
especially when I was younger, I'm, I'm mellowing out with age. Uh, there's a big difference. Uh, the first film was shot over 20 years ago. So I've mellowed out a little bit. I don't listen to metal as much as I used to. Mm -hmm. uh, the part of the reason I listened to it and what drew me to it was the frustration and anger I felt. And uh, uh, I'm actually going to be writing a song, uh, not in this next album, but the second one, that's going to be called Primal Screen Therapy. And that's basically what metal was for me. It was a way to get my own frustrations and anger out without actually doing anything bad to anybody, you know? Yeah. And I think that's one of the beauties of music is you can take negative emotions and put them into a song and it turns into something good. Yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. Okay. Um, okay. So, okay. So, but, okay. Um, okay. Um, so, I guess... I guess this will answer, you already answered this question, but um, how about more like, let's get to more like a specific, like, um, was there anything like specific going on or that you are, don't mind talking about uh, in your life at that time that sort of... Oh, that, that we wrote the songs, you mean? Like what the songs were about? Yeah, I mean, you don't have to get too, you know, detailed, right. but... Well, there's a perfect one. Okay, the only really positive sounding song on the album, and one guy in Minneapolis here once asked me what it was about, he's about the only one who has ever asked me that. Uh, uh, it's called Fear of Flying, and mm -hmm. it was about, while we were shooting the film, I, I just then was learning I had a brain disorder. I thought it was OCD back then. It doesn't turn out that's not quite correct, but that's not really important. But uh, I was going to be going on Prozac, and I knew it was, I was just convinced it was going to help me relax and be a little bit more normal person. Mm -hmm. And that was about the hope that that gave me. So that whole thing about that, that, that getting to that realization where I understood why I, people have been treating me different all my life and that this medication and counseling might help me, and of course it did. So that song, that's why that song is like the only positive song on the album. The rest of them are pretty dark. Okay. Um, yeah, let me ask you about uh, Manomi. Is that um, is that something you read about, or is that it's something that Sean read about? He he wrote. Uh, we worked really well together. You know, obviously, he, he, when I wrote a song, he wrote bass to it. But then there were songs that we both wrote parts to together mm -hmm. and completely co-wrote. Manomi was a song. He wrote the whole structure of the song, and all I did yeah, was play guitar yeah. and sing over the top of it. Man, and what a keyboard! That, that but, guy. Yeah, he had read somewhere about this, what they call the Dragon's Triangle near Japan, right? Where it's similar to the Bermuda Triangle, where there's been a lot of ship yeah, walks yeah. and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, he wrote those lyrics. He wrote that song. All I did wow. was add my stuff to it. I just that's a bit. Yeah, that that it's a shame. It's a real shame, man. I'm so sorry about Sean. I am yeah, so yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's getting close to 10 years now. I just realized it. I think uh, it's 9 years right now since he died. That's terrible, man. I'm so, Yeah. Man. All right. Well, anyways, um uh is so I'm um, on um variation on an ancient theme. Is that you playing the guitar or is that Yeah, all the guitar is me except for one solo uh in the long solo at the end of I Don't Want to Be in Love, and that's uh, Sean's brother, Pat Cassidy. You played, um, you played, but, so um, you played on Variation on an Ancient Theme, the entire thing. You played all the guitar on Variation on an Ancient Theme. On every song on the album, man, I'm the you're only ripping. guitarist, except for one solo. You're ripping, we, man. Yeah, well, thanks. You don't yeah, really um, show your chops. I wanted to have another guitarist, but that was ended up quitting. So I said, okay, I don't want to be the only guitarist, but yeah. I'll do it because yeah. everyone quits. Yeah, yeah. Well, you uh, don't really need another guitarist. 
Well, lie uh, like you, I really want another one. I've been playing yeah, it for yeah. three, three feet, but if I was going to do the, the music justice, the recording justice, I would need a second guitarist. But, uh, uh, but anyway, uh, that song I really like because it's kind of about about the inspiration. The music has never changed, even though music has changed drastically. You know. I'm sorry. What was that? I'm sorry. I lo- I, I missed that. I just mentioned that the, uh, one of the things I like about that song is I talk about that was more of a positive song too. Uh, I talk about how yeah, music has changed hugely over the uh, over the centuries. You know, classical and even earlier music to, to metal, but the inspiration uh, that drives music is the same. It always has been the same. It's just that different people express themselves in different ways. And what do you think that is? Well, it's just it's kind of like what I was saying before: the anger and frustration. Mm-hmm. That's what drives me. Now, um, and I would say that's what drove Beethoven, except for when he wrote Ode to Joy, which is an absolutely beautiful, uh, happy-sounding song. But Beethoven was a very miserable person, yeah. and so he wrote really dark-sounding songs. But yeah. it helped him deal with his life, and he was so good at it, people actually wanted to hear it. Yeah, and it, 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 it made him socially productive. Yeah, it's taking lemons and making lemonade. And that's what I try to do. But other artists, I mean, look at Prince, for example. He doesn't write about dark, heavy things. He writes about things that make people dance. That's what motivates him, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And obviously sex. <laughs> but, you know, whatever motivates the artist, from Madonna, you know, she, almost all of her songs are about sex but in, and dancing, kind of the same thing. Yeah. So, but it works for them because that's what motivates them. That's what they're interested in. But you could say that they they, they still are motivated by... Anger and frustration. To a certain degree, yes. But but what they're doing is they're finding their own way to vent it. And actually, sexuality is one of the more healthy ways to vent frustration, as long as you don't yeah. go too far with yeah, that. Yeah, not hurting anybody. Right. Um. Okay, so let me ask you about your forthcoming project. Um, let's see. Uh, Bach in back in gray, the memoirs of a social leper. Are you? Uh, is that something that's like currently in the works? Something just in your mind, or? I've already started writing it. I'm rebuilding Jerry Rick's studio uh, because it's sat pretty much since Sean died. It's sat in collected dust. Uh-huh. I got to set up the equipment, buy a little bit of new equipment. But I've already started to write the songs. I've already changed the title to "Back in Gray, uh, Part One: Childhood," and it's going to tell the story of of, of an individual similar to uh, Pink Floyd's "Wall." I am not trying to say this is going to be as good as that was, <laughs> but but it's it's going to be a similar inspiration. The music's going to be quite different than theirs, although I'm still going to have a lot of dark songs like they do, but I also will get heavier and still do metal occasionally. It's going to be a mixture of styles. But the first album is going to be Childhood, then there's going to be two or three or maybe even four, all in a series following this person throughout their entire life. Okay. And so the first one's about childhood up to... Leaving home and going to college, roughly, say, say age twenty. Okay. Yeah. Cool, man. So you've already written three songs, you said. Well, I've I've written I've written a couple songs. One of them is for the film, and I hadn't written songs basically since Sean died either. Yeah. Um, uh, one's for the film uh, that we're going to make. Ralph and I are going to make with with uh, Jeff Ferguson, and one was one that may not get on any of these albums. I'm not sure. 
It was actually kind of a funny song where I made fun of everyone who made fun of me in the reviews. You wouldn't believe the guy who called me a fascist was the worst insult I got. But almost every review insulted me in one way or another. They loved the films, and they insulted me. Huh. Why would they do that? Well, uh, people like to pass judgment. Uh, I mean, they called me everything, and so I wrote this song to make fun of them making fun of me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But they called me uh, inept, the resident anti-hero... Uh, I had delusions of grandeur. Uh, one New York Times review called me a deranged delivery driver. I mean, just <laughs> it was endless. They, they all came up with a different way to insult me, but it was all kind of saying the same thing. He's you kind of root for him, but you know he's going to fail. And yeah. I really don't know what I'm doing. Kind of a, a, attitude. Well, you didn't fail. Yeah. Well, I didn't think so either, but. Uh, uh. Uh, the important thing is that I'm just going to keep going now that I've gotten over, you know, Sean's death and the other things that happened during that period, which were not so great. Yeah. Okay, well, I mean, I don't really have much else to ask, man. I, I'm i just glad that that I had a chance to ask you some stuff. Uh, uh, again, um, Gus Before Glory has some really amazing music on it. And, yeah, uh, I'm, I've... I haven't been sending a new complete CDs to, to uh, CD Baby anymore, but I'm pretty sure you can get our songs on iTunes and Spotify and some other sites on the Internet. Okay. Uh, one thing I'd like to mention is that we're going to start shooting the third film soon, and we're also working titles for the film is Driver, Driver 23 Years Later, somewhere near Cleveland. So okay. that'll, be, that'll be coming down the pipes probably similar to when my first album comes out of this series. In a couple of years. All right, cool, man. I really look forward to that. Well, thanks. All right, well, thanks for thanks for uh, thanks for agreeing to the interview, man. You bet. All right. All right. If you want to do it again sometime, just let me know. Okay. Take care, uh, Dan. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. All right, folks. You were just listening to Dan Cleveland from the band Dark Horse, and uh, as you may have noticed, he knows what he's talking about um and uh he obviously is serious about his music so thanks dan thanks for thanks for talking man that was awesome